Thanks for listening to the River City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church community and how you can be a part, visit us online at therivercitychurch.org. All right, well, here we are already in the second week of December. How many of you are feeling like, awesome, I got this. I am under control. I am ahead of schedule. Not one person with their hands up, right? All right, so how many of you are feeling like, oh my goodness, I still got a lot to do in these next few weeks to get everything together, right? That's how it kind of always feels. Someone just said, oh my goodness, the the time is going so fast. Um, How many of you... Um, you know, I, I, I hit this every, every year. How, how many of you are shopping for someone and they're not making it really clear what they want and you're trying to look for those clues and listen for those clues, but it's just like not coming, right? I know that I'm really bad at that. I'm like, I have every, I don't really need anything. I got everything I need and all this kind of stuff. And so I make it hard for uh, my wife Nancy to even go shopping because I'm just like kind of like I'm, I'm good, you know? But it's so different than when you are a kid, right? When you're a child, you know what you want, right? And you know when you want it, right? You're clear of what it is that you want. I recall um, at one, one season of being a child that I knew exactly what I wanted because it was a, I was a kid about the time that Return of the Jedi came out on VHS. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? And yes. And there's a new one coming here soon. I hope it, hope it redeems the last one. But... Um, Hey, but, uh, but I remember that coming out, and I remember seeing RTD2 in 3CPO, and I was like, oh my goodness, I want, I was that, 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 that late 80s kid that just was into robots, and then I saw Short Circuit, right? Johnny Five, amazing, right? Like, I got to have a robot, and so I remember that's all that I wanted for Christmas that year was a robot. I would go down the aisle of Toys R Us and look at the rows of robots at that time, and so come Christmas morning, that year, um, our family was not super well off, but I remember like asking for it and asking for it and kind of in- expecting it, but not really sure because I knew we were kind of struggling and all the presents were open that morning and we were kind of like done opening and it was like straight out of the Christmas story movie as my dad like says, oh, there's one more present behind the couch over there. And it was actually pinched behind the couch and I go over there and I open up, well, it wasn't 3CPO and it wasn't RTD2 or, or Johnny Five, but it was Roby Jr. right here. <laughs> Roby Jr. still is alive today and uh, he wasn't quite that cool. He used to have another hand here that broke off, but he would have a tray that he could drive around and drop your drinks off and, and other things and he would bump into things and say, oops, excuse me. And he came with this little remote control that I would drive around and uh, man, I just remember bringing like such joy to have this, yes, made by a Radio Shack. Who remembers that story, right? And so... Little Roby Roby Jr. um, was like, man, that that Christmas present that just stands out in in the childhood memory. And I found that in my mom's basement. I was like, oh, this is still around. Uh, Awesome. And so... But I also, this, just this last, um, this last week of thanks, this Thanksgiving week, my family was in town and having those late night conversations or conversations over dinner and talking about childhood and memories of childhood and different seasons of what our family went through at different times. And uh, we actually brought up about at this season, about this time when I got this gift, um, our family was going through a bit of, of chaos, a bit of um, turmoil, 
addictions were, were surfacing, uh, a lot of pain, a lot of generational stuff was, was coming up, and as I said, we weren't really well off. In fact, at this time, I shared a bedroom with three of my brothers, yes, two sets of bunk beds in one bedroom, while my younger sister had her own room, okay? Like, and so, it, you know, imagine what that room was like and what it smelled like, and so, but it was just like kind of chaos, but in the corner of that room was my dresser. And that dresser, my mom, was, my mom and brother were always talking, talking about it over Thanksgiving, was neat and organized. I had Roby Jr. on top of it. I had my piggy bank. I had my clothes perfectly folded because in a time of chaos, it was one area that I could control. Even at like nine or 10 years old, I wanted to control something in the middle of chaos. Has anybody been there? How many of us like to have control? Control freaks, all right. Somebody's got two hands back there. Looks like you're worshiping Jesus, yes. <laughs> control, control, right? We, 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 we like to have control. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe you're like, no, I'm not controlling. Like, maybe, there, what is, is there just one area that you like to have control, at least? Like one area that you're, like, you're certain of, and if, and if you want to raise the person's hand next to you, it's probably that's the person that you want to control, right? Um, so... <laughs> There's a lot of things about control that, man, that, that, that I think God wants to speak to us about in this Christmas season. And I want to explore this idea of letting go of that control thing inside each one of us and whatever it stems from this Christmas season. As we look at part of the Christmas story, kind of part of the beginning that we read in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 26, going to be reading from the, the New Living Translation on the screen, if you have your Bibles, I uh, encourage you to look there on your, on your uh, iPads or on your phones, or which way you do it. So here's what it says right here, and starting in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, remember this is Mary's cousin, Elizabeth and Zechariah, we're just in the verses before this, talking about their story. God sent an angel, Gabriel, sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to the village of Galilee, to the virgin named Mary. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Confused and disturbed. Everybody say, confused? Disturbed? Some of you are possibly there right now in your life. You are confused. There's something that is going on, possibly even in this season, in the midst of the joy and the wonderfulness and the happiness. There's something that's happening that you didn't see coming. You're, you're looking at your life and go, why is this going on? This wasn't the plan. This wasn't what I intended. This is never what you thought you would, would experience. Others of you, you would say, I'm disturbed. I'm disturbed by looking at my current situation that I cannot handle it, that it is something bigger than I can control. I love to have control, but I am disturbed because there's something that's in my life, in my situation that is out of my control. Mary was confused and disturbed. The angel says in verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her. For you have found favor with God. 
you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus and he will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. Amen, right? That's the exciting part that we're going to talk about next week. His kingdom will never end. He's going to stand there. We've got exciting stuff for next week. Don't miss. But the angel, Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of the Lord will never fail. Do you love that? That is like a sermon right there. The words of the Lord. What the Lord says will never fail. It will come true. It will happen. It says this is what, and then it says, and Mary responded. Mary responded, this is not convenient for me. This is not in my five-year plan. This is not what I was intending. Don't you know, Angel Gabriel, that I am engaged to Joseph? I just spent all of my money buying the perfect wedding dress. We've got the photographer. I wasn't planning on being pregnant on my wedding day. It's going to mess up my Instagram pictures if I'm pregnant on my wedding day. What are you doing Is that how she responded? No, no. She says, this is how she's responded. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I'm going to look at one other. The English standard version of how it says verse 38, a royal love. ESV. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. And then... She quotes the Beatles. Let it be <laughs> to me according to your word. Everybody say, let it be. Let it be. Speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Right? I mean, like, Mary was disturbed and confused when the angel comes and says this stuff, but her response is, let it be. Let it be. Now, I am not a mind reader, but I have preached a few sermons, and I know when I start preaching a sermon like this that automatically some of you go, whew, so glad my spouse is here today to hear this, right? So glad my mother-in-law is here to hear this sermon. I can't wait to send the podcast to so-and-so about control, because when we think of control, we don't think that we are controlling, right? Right? When we think of like controlling, I'm not controlling, I'm just aggressively helpful, right? (laughs) I'm not controlling, I'm just thoroughly organized. I'm not controlling, I just like things to be a particular way. Some of you guys are so uptight, so 
so tightly spun about like what you want control of that you have stole all the joy out of Christmas. You make coffee nervous. Like it doesn't matter. Like you just have got this tension that you carry because you love control, you know, and you, you want to, uh, to be protect like what other, you want to control what other people see and what they experience around you, right? You want, you want to, you want to see that. You want to, and so like even, even this week when you took your Christmas family picture, right? You had to take 36 pictures in front of that Christmas tree to get that perfect shot. And by the end of it, you wanted to give one of your children away and divorce your spouse, right? And then you did hashtag blessed, right? Instead, because you want to portray this image for others. Am I the only one that's being real up here today, right? So there's these things that you want. You want to control your kids. You want to know what they're doing at every moment. You want to control uh, when they do their schoolwork, how they do their schoolwork, what sport they play, what they're doing with their time, what's co- how they're doing on their ACTs, what college they're going to go to, who they're going to marry, when they're going to marry, how many grandkids they're going to have. Like you, you, you want to control your kids and even your spouse. Sometimes you can be driving your spouse crazy with your, your desire to control and over time you stop like just saying it directly, you say it passive aggressively like, oh, you're going to wear that to the Christmas party? Right? <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't know that we had a maid in the house, right? Oh, no, it's fine, honey. Go ahead and stay out again. I'll be at home again with the kids tonight. Totally fine. Right? Was there a in my house? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> the great... <laughs> The thing about control is the more control, <laughs> the more you try to control, the, 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 the more fearful you become of losing control. And the more fear of losing control, the more you want to be in control, right? So today, I, I just have this one simple thought, one big idea, because we got to get this going because we got a lot of things going. But one thing, right here, and I hope it makes sense to you, write it down, it'll be on the screen. You don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. You don't always have the power to control. You don't always have the power to make him do or her do what they want them to do or to behave the way that you want them to. You don't always have the way to, to control what even the future looks like and that you can't control to get it all lined up perfectly the way that you want it to. You can't control even your areas of your health. You can't control everything that your kids do and everything you want them to do. You don't always have the power of control, but you always have the power to surrender. And that doesn't mean giving up. It does not mean giving up, but you have power to surrender it to God. And that's what I love about Mary is her willingness to give up control, to give up and to surrender. And she says, let it be whatever you want, your will, not my will. And when we come to this Christmas story that we have heard so many times and we read the pages and we've seen the movies and we've seen the cartoons and we've seen all these things, we can forget that these are real people. And the angel appears to Mary and Mary just says, let it be. And we go, well, of course, it's the Virgin Mary. There's statues about her and there's cathedrals named after her and even the Beatles wrote a song about her. That's Mary, right? The fact is, scholars tell us that she was 13, 14, maybe at most 15-year-old girl when this comes along. 
And like most 14, 15-year-old girls, she probably had other thoughts, dreams, and ideas of what her future would look like. Clearly, she did not have as many options as you and I have. And when it comes to who we're going to date and who we're going to marry, she had a, a pretty t- tight, small community there in, in, in Galilee of who she would marry. She didn't have things like Match.com or Christian Tingle or whatever um, it is and to, to find someone that matches your perfect personality and stuff. But I would imagine that she still has some standards, right? Like, like most women know what they want. Guys, women are so easy, right? They, they, they just know what they want. Right? Just a few basic qualities. Not asking for much. Just the guy who's tall, dark, and handsome and charming. Someone that drives a light, not, well, drove a nice donkey, you know, like the, not, just the, not the newest model, not, not over fancy, just reliable donkey, someone with a good job, with a bright future, someone who has strong hands and a soft heart, someone who's close to mom, but not a mama's boy, right? A guy who, who, who is bold yet humble, someone who's decisive yet flexible, Someone who's well-groomed, but not a metrosexual. Like, right? Like we, we, <laughs> we, we want someone that has big goals and big dreams, but easygoing at the same time, right? So she, she's got all this. Someone who makes her feel safe, but is also a little dangerous. See, guys? Girls are so easy to figure out what they want, right? So... It's for all the single guys out there. All right. So, but, but she did have dreams and ideas of, of what her marriage was like, uh, going to be like, or imagine. You know, she knows that she's going to get married to, to Joseph, and she's thinking about, like, oh my goodness, you know, Joseph proposed to me on Bethlehem Bridge or whatever. I don't know. And, um, no, they weren't there yet. But anyway, so, but anyway, they had these ideas of what it was going to be like. But then the angel comes along and says, no. I got something different for you. Something different than your plans, something different than your dreams, something different than what you thought it was going to be. And some of you are like that. Some of you are like, I had a plan. I had a, I had a thought. I had some hopes. I had some dreams of what it was going to look like and how my life was going to play. Did that just, no. And then <clears throat> you had two kids and then Bonus round showed up, number three, you weren't expecting, right? Or you, had, or, or, or you were expecting to have three kids, but you have not yet even conceived that first child or that second child. Or, and so it left you disturbed and confused. You thought maybe you had the perfect job lined up and this is the job that I'm going to be able to finish my career in. And then as soon as you take the job, you find out that they're downsizing and your job is on the line. And you have all kind of confusion and worry and it's weighing on you. Maybe is it that you're dreaming about something that you know is so big that it has to be a God-sized dream. And you, you get excited dreaming about it, but you're also fearful because you don't see how it could all come together. If I was to really chase after this dream, this thing in my heart that I feel like God is putting there, it's going to cause me to change my lifestyle and my expending habits and how we do life. And I'm not sure if the payoff is really worth it. It could be a relationship issue. It could be the marriage is not where it's supposed to be. It could be an empty chair this Christmas at the table that you weren't expecting for whatever reason that they're not there this year. 
You never, you know, the things happen in our life that we go, man, I, it, it, I never thought that this would happen. I never thought that we would have this health issue. I never thought we'd have this, this financial weight. It could be any number of things that leave us disturbed and confused and not knowing how it's going to work out and not knowing how your story or even how your year is going to end. And see, that's like, sometimes it's the awesome that we have the Bible and stories of these people, and we look at it and we go, yes, the Virgin Mary, and we know how her story ends. Yes, she has to go through this hard time, but she becomes the mother of Jesus. And Jesus, he's this guy that comes along and performs miracles and has these huge crowds standing around listening to him teach, and he's so famous and he's so well-known. And she goes, oh my goodness, my son is... He's headed to the cross, and there on the cross, he freely and willingly gives up his life, and, but not, and then the darkest day, then three days later, turns into the greatest day because he was raised from the dead, and then comes back, walks around with people, and then exalted to heaven, and standing at the right hand of the Father, being praised by angels. Like, woo, wow. Like, we get to see it all together. That's her son. But she didn't see it in that moment. In that moment, she didn't see how this was going to play out. In that moment, she had to give up control because we don't always have the power to control, but we always have the power to surrender. And Mary had to make a choice in that moment. Was she going to surrender her will, her desires, and her reputation to do what God said to do? She had to set aside her dreams for her God-given destiny and God-given call. And so even though she didn't understand the plan, she trusted that God had a purpose in what he was doing, that God is doing something, he is up to something, I don't know how this is all gonna play out, but an angel showed up and told me this, so I'm gonna give up control. So I wonder, like, well, I think, why are we afraid to give up control? Well, what, it, where, what, what, is our, what is our desire to control? What is it rooted in? I would say it's, it's rooted in, if I'm honest and I look at different areas of my life, I mean, I, mean, I feel like I have to take control of something. My desire to control is rooted in my lack of faith because I have to control it. I have to control it. And I overestimate my ability to control and I underestimate God's power and God's goodness in those moments. And I don't know if I'm just preaching to myself today, but I need to hear this sermon, that those moments that I lean into my strengths and my abilities instead of trusting on the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, that you've got that, that, and it's so hard in our culture because our culture tells us all the time, you gotta do this, you gotta make it happen, you gotta push it through, you know, this is on you, if, if it's gonna be, it's up to me, right? If I gotta get there, I gotta work it, I gotta manipulate it, I gotta, I gotta sell it, I gotta make it happen. But Jesus says something drastically different and he poses everything our culture says. He says this in Matthew 10, 39. He says, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. 
when we cling to our life, in other words, when you cling to being in charge, being in control, being, as we talked about last week, being the Lord of my own life, I'm making decisions about my, my mind is better than God's, I know the better things than God, my ways are better. When we do that, we lose our life. But when you surrender and say, Jesus, you lead, you guide, Jesus, take the wheel, you find it, right? In other words, to be a follower of Jesus is to surrender control, to let it be. Let it be. And to give up control is not a one-time decision. It's not like, oh, 2006, I came to the altar and prayed and I gave up control. It is a daily, every day, every hour thing of saying, I give up. I surrender this to you, Jesus. And there is no degrees to surrender. It's not like I'm 87.6% surrendered, (laughs) right? No, it's surrendering the whole thing. If you are watching television with your spouse and you give them the controller, you cannot hold on to part of the controller. You have to give the whole controller over, right? It doesn't work with two people working the controller. You have to give full over. It's, it's, again, it's not giving, it's not, it's not saying I'm not trying, I'm not doing, I'm not working, but it's saying, God, I... I I'm, I'm, I'm letting you be in control. And, and this is what we do as Christians. We say, God, I give you, I trust you with my soul that you will save me. But I'm going to still call the shots because I just can't trust you with that. God, I trust that you are going to give me peace, but I'm going to control my adult children and tell them what to do because I just can't trust them into your hands. God, I I trust you with my eternity. It's because of Jesus that I get to go to heaven eternally with you, but the money, God, I can't trust you with the money. All right, maybe I just preached to a few people here today. All right, so it is a daily choice, and Mary's surrender. Every time that you surrender, God will continue to show himself faithful and good because that's what he is, and that's what we see in the story of Mary is that she surrendered, and each moment, she didn't know how it was gonna play out, but God saw the plan, and he is working this out. She says, okay, God, uh, let it be. As you said, I am the Lord's servant. It's not my life. It's your life. I totally surrender it to you, but man, she's like, In her mind, she's got to be thinking, I got a fiance named Joseph, and he's going to find out, I got to tell him that I'm pregnant. Like, if if I'm dating Nancy, engaged to Nancy years back, and she comes and says, the Holy Ghost made me pregnant, (laughs) we're going to have some problems, right? But she just went with it, and she said, okay, I'm going to let it be. I'm going to let God do his thing. And what happens? The angel Gabriel shows up to Joseph in a dream. Like, thank you. Gabriel, thank you, God, for taking care of that. And then, you know, she's in this small community where she's, she's being watched, and, and you even see it throughout Scripture. She still is identified as someone that is unfaithful, and Jesus is known as not having a father and born out of wedlock in this time and this age. Like, I mean, could you imagine the way that this little village talked about? The people around town are whispering, yeah, see Mary, she's got that little bump. I saw her donkey parked over at Joseph's till like 2 a.m., Joseph was singing, baby, it's cold outside. And it wasn't the Me Too version. No. (laughs) 
And like the town's talking about things, but then what happens? She goes and visits her, her cousin Elizabeth, and she confirms and says, oh my goodness, how blessed are you that you have, and God gives this confirmation, little by little. And then, and then once the, then the, baby, the baby's coming and they gotta travel all the way to Bethlehem to pay their tax, how terrible is that? Imagine if you were able to travel, it's bad enough to pay taxes. What if we had to drive to Washington, D.C. to pay them in person, right? How awful would that, like, think of it like that. And, like, they can't find a Holiday Inn, a Motel 6, anything. Instead, God provides a, a stall, a manger, a cave next to animals. I'm like, what in the world, God? But then shepherds show up and say, hey, we heard the king was a confirmation again. Oh my goodness, this is something special. And then, then she finds out that King Herod wants to kill all the children because he's looking for her child. Every single day she has to surrender and trust and say, God, you've given me this child and I have to trust that you are gonna provide and you're gonna make a way. Now Mary and Joseph don't have any money and they're running from the king and all of his men who's trying to kill them. How do you do that when you're broke? How does that happen? I'm just gonna read in between some stories. God sends some wise men with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You got some gold, you can travel. You can get over borders. God provides every single step of the way. He says, let it be. When you surrender to the faithfulness of God, he provides along the way. He is faithful. And we just continue to call what he's done. He will provide is that we're following what he's called us to do. And fast forward to Jesus himself. He follows his mother's way in the garden of Gethsemane. There he is in the night before that he's about to be brutally beat and crucified on the cross. This intense pressure so much that, that scientifically it says that the capillaries burst and he's sweating blood from his brow. And he cries out to his father in heaven and he says the same things that Mary says. Says, like, hey, if this cup can be removed, this cup of suffering, please God, but not my will be done. Let your will be done and not mine. Let it be, God, as you want it to be. And so I want to ask you, when was the, the last time that you prayed and asked God, God, not my will, but your will? When was the last time that you said, God, I, I'm tired of calling the shots. I'm tired of the one being in charge. Not my will, but your will be done. Because I'm telling you that he, when we do this, when we live this life of giving up control and surrender, it brings about amazing things. I started to tell you about, here I was, this 10-year-old boy growing up in this house where I just wanted control. And as I grew up into my high school years, I, 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 I kind of distanced myself a little bit from my regular surroundings. And I, I come to hanging out with people that are a different different to my family. They, they, they've got parents that are providing well. They've got a family that's in good unison and I'm spending a lot of time at their house and I'm going, man, I want that. Okay, and then my, my good friend, his dad is a architect and I'm like, I'm going to be an architect because that looks like I can provide and I can go to school and I have some construction background and I'm, I'm going to lean into this and, and I'm starting to make these plans of in, in, in a house where you know, no one really talked about going to college and going to school. I was, I was going to, to make a way because I wanted to have something that I could control. And then in the middle of that, God interrupts 
my plans and I have this overwhelming sense and a call to go into ministry. There's no such thing as a college fund in my family. There's no, no plan, no, like I said, barely any talk of college and I tried to pursue different things that I thought would be safe and those doors just closed, 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 closed until he, he kind of like led me to go to this school in Florida I apply and I feel like this is the right thing. And the next week, someone that knew me from a child says, we were gonna sponsor a student to go to this school. And they paid my entire tuition while I was in school of God providing as I stepped out and said, God, I'm gonna go do something different. And then I go to, I go to school and I think I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go to school for a few years. I'm gonna go back to Georgia. I'm gonna work in my home church and become a youth pastor or something like that. No, there at school, God puts a burden and a call on me. I'm saying, hey, will you surrender? Will you go to the mission field? God, I don't know how to go to the mission field. I don't know how to raise money. God says, I, I just say, okay, God, it's your hands. All right, and I go end up going to the mission field even though I'm like, God, I'm not too sure, I'm still single. It's gonna be really hard to find a wife there. I really wanna get married. You guys know, many of you guys know my story. Here I go, I surrender, and God's like, I got you. How about the girl of your dreams, the girl that you chased all through Bible school? How about I put her on the same property, and then you guys can get engaged there, right? God provides, and he makes a way. And then there I am in Jamaica, serving there, and like, time is coming to the end. I wanna ask Nancy to marry me, but I got no money, and I got no job. (laughs) And I can't call her dad. And about a month before we're finished, I was like, I want to get her an engagement ring. And this guy that just came on a one-week mission trip, couldn't even tell you his name today. He says, I see that you have eyes for no one else. And he takes off this big, ugly, Mr. T-looking necklace and says, I want you to take this. And I'm like, thanks. Appreciate it. (laughs) And he goes, no, I want you to take this. I want you to pawn this in and I want you to get Nancy a ring. I see you have eyes for no one else. God provides. Then a church comes on a mission trip from Bloomington Normal, Illinois, and they say, we want you to come and be our college young adult pastor. Telling you this life of surrender, it's scary in the moment, and you can't see it all coming together, but God continues to provide when we say, God, I am not in control. And have we got it right every time? Absolutely not. Does it become more fearful and more scary the more responsibility you have in your life? Absolutely. The more people looking at you to provide for them, to care for them, it becomes a little bit more tougher to take those moments of God, I give up control because we feel like we have to control it. But he still calls us to that childlike faith. He still calls you that faith that a crazy 18-year-old can have and say, I'm just going to go do this because I feel like God's put it in my heart. Something happens as we get older. We stop believing like we did when we were young. Maybe that's why God chose a 15-year-old girl. I don't know. Maybe. It's that faith we had. So, in closing, I just want to come down here and just share with you guys as I said that what is that, when is that last time that you have said, God, I want to surrender. I want to give up control. When is that time that you said, God, There are things in my heart, God, that are weighing me down and I just carry them everywhere I go and I have anxiety about them, I have worry about them and I think about them and maybe, maybe they're, they're, they're things you didn't see coming as we said or maybe they're things that God has put in your heart that he's saying, will you trust me to say that I will provide and make a way for you?
Whatever is in your heart, I just want to tell you, it's better in his hands. And he's just saying, hey, will you, will you surrender? Will you give this to me? It could be a financial weight that you're carrying. It could be a job situation. It could be a health issue. It could be a relationship issue. It could be a marriage issue. It could be whatever it is that, is, that you came in here and you're just like, man, I don't, like, what's, comfort and joy has been on the screens. Comfort and joy, and you don't have a comfort in this area of your life because you've been trying to hold it yourself. Would you be so bold to say, God, I'm going to let it be. And that doesn't mean that you don't continue to do your part, don't continue to work, don't continue to fight for your marriage, work on your finances, do those things that God's called you to do, but you trust. This area of trusting God and partnering with him. Martin Luther said, pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. But some of you, you just hold on to that work like it depends on you. And God's saying, no, depend on me. Depend on me. For that prodigal child, for that son, that daughter that, that has walked away from you, that, that walked away from the faith, for, for whatever it is that you might be facing this Christmas season. So would you guys, in the season of giving, let's stand up together. Season of giving, we wrap up gifts and we give them to other people. What if your gift to God today is surrender? What if whatever that thing that you have been carrying around and you just say, God, I'm giving this to you. God, I'm giving you this thing that has been weighing on my heart. And just as an act of faith, just hold your hands out. Like imagining that, that, that thing being in your hands. My financial weight, my marriage, my relationships, my school, my school tension that I have, my desire to get better grades, my, my work for getting an ACT, better score, by whatever it might be. The tension of, of making the perfect Christmas. God, I give it to you. I surrender it to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, you are so good. You are so loving. You are trustworthy. God, we can trust you with our souls. We trust you in light of eternity. But Lord, we want to come to a new place of trusting you with our everyday. Trusting you, God, in those areas that we have been holding on to control. God, just like those memories, Lord, of being a 10 and 11-year-old boy, some people feel like their world around them is chaotic and out of control, and they've clinged to a corner of control. And this is the one area that they just want to control. And God, you're still even saying, will you give that to me? Will you give me that little area of your heart that you have held back from him? And just say, heavenly, your heavenly father just wants to come in and he wants to love you. Je Jesus, <laughs> Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means? It means God with us. I hope you can sense that. I hope you can feel that, that God is with you. He is with you. 
He's not far off. He's not distant. And even though he might feel like it, he gave up everything to come and reach you and be where you are. Saying, trust me, Jesus. So Lord, I thank you right now. And Lord, I just ask that you would give each one of us your Holy Spirit, Lord, to give us this strength and this ability to lay it in your hands and do what you want, Lord. We give up control. We surrender all to you. We surrender all. That's the gift that we give you this year, Jesus. It's our control. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would show up this week and speak to each one of our hearts every single time that we want to grasp for control and grasp for it, Lord. And we feel like we have to take that power, Lord, that we, your Holy Spirit, remind us to surrender to you and let you lead us and let you guide us. And we thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do in each one of our hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Man, Guys, prayer team's gonna be here to pray with you if this is a big subject for some of us of, of knowing how to give up control. But I'm telling you, it is the best way to live. It is the most freeing way to live. It is the most joyful, comforting way to live is giving it to him. So prayer team's gonna be here. And, but I do wanna encourage each one of you to stick around, to love on people that are coming in here today. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus today. So I know this is kind of a of abrupt change, but we'll have a prayer team over here um, coming over here. I think we've got a few others, Todd and others uh, coming up for prayer. <clears throat> and we're going to try our best to be respectful to their space over here, prayer time. There's going to be a lot of movement of getting tables out and getting things set, but it's all right. God can move in. In the middle of the chaos, he's going to continue to move and bring comfort. So we just thank you guys. Don't rush out of here without getting the prayer. And don't rush out. Uh, if, if you are, didn't sign up for serving, uh, I think Heather's going to be out there with the clipboard. She has positions to sign you to. Stop at this table right out there, and she's got a role for you to serve in and do. Let's pray one more time for our event today. I know I've been praying a bit, but <sighs> Jesus, we thank you, God, that even in today's planning of this event, Lord, we give up control, Lord, and we trust in you and your Holy Spirit to do a work here today, Lord. Lord, as we welcome people that don't normally call this their church home, Lord, I ask that they would feel welcome, they'd feel loved, they'd feel cared for. And God, we thank you, we thank you, Lord, that we get to be part of this. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to the River City Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is using River City Church to minister and impact lives. If you have a story to share of how God is moving in your life, send an email to amen at therivercitychurch.org. If you'd like to support our mission financially so we can continue to share messages just like these, you can give online at therivercitychurch.org slash give.